I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means the great EJ Raddick. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing today, Don? Good. And we were talking off the air. I had no idea that uh, you were responsible for the first ever time Peter Rosenberg was on 98.7 ESPN New York. I had no idea that the first interview he did was with you. Well, I mean, I don't know if you would say I'm responsible for it. Um, you know, I think that uh, the, the fates just aligned <laughs> that I was on. But Peter has done very well. I get to watch you guys uh, – on the on yes all the time and uh guys do a great job so i'm happy because i'm happy for peter i mean got a lot of success and and it's really worked out for him so uh it's funny it's kind of an odd coincidence but you know but i look at it this way you know if you guys are happy with them which you seem like you are but if you're not like don't blame me all right i mean that's the way i look it's just interesting that you know, Peter Rosenberg and Robin Lumberg have both went on to uh, to great careers, and they both interviewed you, of all people. I would not think that a hockey well, guy would be their first exposure, but you know what? Great. <laughs> Good. Hey, if, they, if they can get through that, right, it shows they have a little bit of versatility. <laughs> That's it. That they can, they're, they're a lot more well-rounded than people give them credit for. But, you know, uh, Peter is a Penguins fan, and – you know what? It's time to really acknowledge. Uh, I'll just admit it. I mean, uh, you were a little more favorable to them. I didn't think they were a playoff team. I really didn't think. I thought this would be the team to be knocked out of play. No, I didn't think they'd be terrible, but I just thought, you know what? I don't know if they're going to be able to make the playoffs. And here they are, you know, late in the season now, 49 games played in first place. Now it's precarious. It's only, you know, a one-point lead over Washington, and Washington has a game in hand, but – I'm just I'm legitimately shocked, especially with some of the injuries. You know, they're playing without Evgeny Malkin for a time. Early in the season, they were they were they were on their like it seemed like their eighth, ninth defenseman, and here they are late in the season in first place. And is this shocking to you too? Yeah, it's a little bit shocking to me. I, I, you know, I really if you if you really forced my hand before the season, I would have said they would be out. And because like I saw five teams that were in the mix, and you know, I wasn't so sure where they would end up, and you got to give Mike Sullivan and that entire group there a lot of credit. They even made a change to the management group midway through the year, and it's worked really well for the for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And they also have now added Jeff Carter, who seems to be a nice fit so far. So, uh, you know, give Jimmy Rutherford credit for making some of the moves in the offseason, and then, you know, give the, you know, Hextall slash Burke credit for bringing in Carter and, and kind of the things that they've helped do and, I give a lot of credit to Mike Sullivan because uh, I think Mike has done a really great job. Now, all that said, you know, they, like you point out, they're one point ahead of Washington, and Washington has a game in hand. I think Pittsburgh is in a position, though, to really, to really have the, you know, to be in the driver's seat for this reason. Now they got the Bruins coming up again next. Then they got two in Washington. 
if they can come through these next three games and still find themselves at on the on, at top of the division, even if it's only by a point, they finish with two in Philly and two in, or two in Philly and two at two in Buffalo, you know, or in Buffalo or at home against Buffalo. Excuse me. So, um, you know, it puts them in a position to finish strong. So we'll see. But uh, I just I watched that game yesterday, Don, against Boston, and I was just really impressed with uh, really both teams played a really tight checking game. With the Penguins in particular, played very well, and Jari played well. So, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a fight right to the end, and these teams, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of back and forth. And remember, the Bruins have a couple of games in hand as well. Yeah, that's true. And Bruins again. That's one of the reasons why, even though the Rangers have gained a little ground. Those two games in hand are just going to probably be too much for the Rangers to overcome. But I just found it interesting. You look at Boston with the two games in hand. Islanders, you know, still right there, even though they're really struggling to score goals. Washington playing right now without Ovechkin. We'll see what happens with his lower body injury. How it's really painted itself very nice to have just a great race down the stretch here to see who wins uh, this division. If it matters at all, I'm not sure. But still, it, it should be an interesting race. Yeah, and you're, I, know, I think you might have hit the nail on the head, doesn't necessarily matter because these teams seemingly uh, have the ability to win at home or on the road. So I think it matters in the sense of the matchups, like what matchups are favorable for you. Um, There are certain teams, I know like the Islanders, for example, have struggled with the Capitals and Penguins. So maybe they'd be better off finding their way into a series with the Bruins. Not that that's all that great. And they have lost, two in a row to the Bruins. So uh, hard to know, but I think it just creates the, the path for these teams, and that will, you know, that's where we can, we, once we see it finished, then we can kind of determine what we think from there. But uh, I think all four of those teams have the ability to win in their own building or to win on the road, particularly now in the environment we have where there's not, you know, you're not looking at full buildings and crazy crowds in right. these places. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now let's talk about Philadelphia. Uh, I had them as a playoff team to start the year. Um, they've had their their issues in goal, but you know you're hearing a lot of reports, a lot of rumblings when they came in to play the um, Rangers the last couple of days. EJ, the talk had been there's like a com- country club atmosphere around the team. You know, Elaine Vigneault hired all of his buddies, making a lot of money, and it really has just created an atmosphere of just not that sense of urgency. Are you hearing the same thing? Is there anything to those reports, those rumblings? Well, I haven't heard that, but, I mean, listen, when teams are losing, Don, a lot of things get said. And I'm sure when the season started and the Philadelphia Flyers came out of the gates quick, nobody was talking about that then. I mean, I remember the Flyers did very well early in the first five, six games of the season. Um I do think there's obviously going to be changes coming. Uh, I think it's hard for me to really tell you what I think the COVID situation in Philly did to that team. Uh, Some of these teams come out of that, you know, having a uh, COVID break and having that go through their team. Some teams come out of it and they struggle. Other teams come out of it and they find their way back. So 
hard to say how that impacted those, that team and those, and those individual players. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, the question I would have about the coaching staff is, is Elaine Vino flexible to play a system that suits the players that he has? Or does he want to play a particular way that, in this case, doesn't suit the guys they have in their group? And what I mean is, I mean, Elaine likes to play this kind of stretching game with the long pass kind of through the neutral zone and, you know, deflect in and kind of play that stretch out the opponent. If your team doesn't have the personnel to play that game effectively, can Vino be versatile enough to change his to change the focus and to change the system and to try to do something different that fits the personnel. And I guess that's the question. And I know that, you know, talking about Elaine Vino hiring his friends. Well, I mean, I don't think Mike Yo was necessarily his friend. I think Mike Yo was more connected to Chuck Fletcher. So, uh, but I guess, you know, the, I guess that that's a shot at the, at the, the Michelle Terry and hire. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. But, you know, Michelle Terrian also has a big connection to Fletcher because he was in Pittsburgh with Fletcher when Fletcher was there during that, that first cup run in, uh, you know, in, in 09, in that era of uh, Penguins hockey, Fletcher was there. And so was, and so was Terrian for a for a little while. So uh, there, there's a connection there between those two. So, um, you know, I think they're going to have to really look at it. I know talking to some people around the league that, that nobody's really been thrilled with the coaching staff and the way the Penguins, me, the way the Flyers are are playing right now and the system which they play and the way they do a lot of different things. Now, at the end of the day, the uh, you know the players have to play and they've got some good players there and it's just for whatever reason it just hasn't worked this year and so uh, you know it's going to be back to the drawing board. You know, with a salary cap league, a flat cap, it's hard to move some older players without right. have term. You have, you have to deal with no move clauses. You're dealing with an expansion situation this, this year, but clearly the mix right now. And and Fletcher admitted it. He said our mix isn't right. So clearly they're going to have to take a good hard look at, you know, from from A to Z of what's going on with their team and make some changes. But there's some good pieces there still for sure. And I think there's. You know, there's people to build around, but they've just got to figure that out. And, you know, normally, you know, people talk about the coach. Well, Elaine Vino is in the second year of a five-year deal that pays him, I think, $5 million a year. So I don't get the sense that he's getting fired anytime soon, but you never know. Yeah, stranger things have certainly happened. It's just a very, very disappointing season for them. Goss Despair is now going to be out, but it wasn't that long ago that Goss Despair was actually, uh, you know, on the waiver wire. So... Uh, a lot of things happening there with Philadelphia. You go to the Canadian division, and I thought Calgary was dead, right? But all these games against Montreal, now they've won a couple, another one tonight. Uh, I know they've got a little bit of struggle here with the games in hand on Montreal, but you give Calgary a fighting chance here to still find a way into the playoffs? Well, I think you have to at this point. I mean, if they win tonight, I mean, you got to remember now, Montreal is without Carey Price and they're without Brendan Gallagher. So, I mean, uh, those are two big pieces of the puzzle, right? So... A win tonight puts them two points back. Montreal would have a game in hand. And Montreal, you know, they go home and you're, or, yeah, they go home and they take on Toronto and then Winnipeg back to back. I mean, those are games they could lose as well. And, you know, who knows where they'd be sitting by uh, sometime later in the week. So, um, you know, they're in a precarious situation. Sure, they're under a lot of pressure. I mean, let's face it. I mean, they spent a lot of money in the offseason, they've made all kinds of moves. You know, with the idea of, hey, we're going to be in this year. We're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to make a push, and we're going to maybe make a run to win this North Division. 
And while they've shown flashes of being really good, here they sit, you know, in the, in the last playoff spot, just four points ahead of a, of a Calgary team that has really struggled this year. And also, you know, they're eight points ahead of Vancouver, and Vancouver's got five games in hand. Right. <laughs> if Vancouver were to go on some kind of run, uh, you know, and they start a four-game trip in the East with two in Ottawa and two in Toronto, if they were to go on some kind of run, they could play themselves back into this. But, you know, we'll focus on Calgary for now. I mean, obviously a win tonight gives Calgary a lot of life and a lot of momentum. Now, all that said... Calgary has matched up very well against Montreal this year. In fact, if they win tonight, I think they would have won seven of nine, somewhere along those lines against the Canadians. Can they, if they win tonight, can they now go to Edmonton and and win back-to-back games there? Because they have to keep winning. The bottom line is, even if they were to win tonight and they're two points behind, they need to find ways to win to move past Montreal. And so that would be the question for me with Calgary because we saw last week, uh, you know, they've had a lot of trouble with Ottawa. And they've got another game coming up with Ottawa. And then they finish the season, I guess, when you think about Vancouver and Calgary, it'll come down to this. Those two teams will play each other four times uh, at the very end of the season. So um, if there's a window, if there's a team, if there's room in that fourth spot, that's how it'll be determined between mm. those two teams going head-to-head for four straight games. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure in Montreal right now. And so a win tonight, I think, would really alleviate a lot of that and give them a little bit of that cushion again. But a loss, boy, oh, boy. It's yeah. going to be a fight to the finish. And you're right, Calgary's won six of the previous eight meetings and none of the games have gone to overtime. So they've all been uh, in regulation. Yep. Uh, um Big game tonight for the uh, Hurricanes and Stars, more so for the Stars, who've got like a heavy dose of Detroit, and now they get to play with the big boys here, and that's the first-place team in Carolina. Dallas in good shape. They're two points back in Nashville with two games in hand, but now they're going to take on a Carolina team that's just been you know, tremendous, EJ, and really proving to maybe be the best team in the Central, and that's saying something the way Florida has played the way Tampa's the defending Stanley Cup champion. That that's saying a lot. So that's a tough that's a tough night here for Dallas with a really good chance to control their own destiny. Yeah, they got they have two games in hand, Dallas on Nashville, and the teams will play next Saturday night in Nashville and you know that will obviously go a long way in, in determining where this is headed. Um, um but for the Dallas Stars, they got through that easier part of the schedule. They had two with Columbus and four with Detroit. They won five of those six games. I guess you can't ask for much more of that. They had a crazy game on Saturday night. They were out shooting the Red the Red Wings like forty to five. Oh yeah, and it was in the third period, so it was something along those lines. So that was kind of crazy. But Dallas' schedule is no picnic. I mean, they've got back to back with Carolina tonight and tomorrow night. Then at Tampa, then they have that big game with Nashville. Then at Florida, two more with Tampa in Tampa, and they finish up back to back in Chicago which, you know, if Chicago is out of it by then, might be an opportunity to pick up some points. But, you know, that's a that's a bear of a schedule. You know, meanwhile, Nashville's got the two with Florida, game with Dallas, two in Columbus, and then they finish with two in Carol, or two against Carolina at home, and those those will be tough. So I think it's, I think it's still wide open there. And, you know, and, and on the flip side, you know, the, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, they've got a tough go, too, because they've got – games with Tampa, Florida, Carolina coming up and then they finish with Dallas. So for me Chicago I think is it's going to be it's going to be they're going to be hard pressed to find a way. I'd say Nashville has the edge right now cuz the schedule isn't 
you know, the schedule is just really tough for both, but they're the team in front. And I think whoever can win that game on Saturday night in Nashville, they'd probably be, uh, that's probably a big, that'll tell the tale probably in a lot of ways moving forward. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, speaking of uh, Dallas, that lends uh, to the next question with the way Jason Robertson has played for the Stars, you know, at plus 14, 37 points, 14 goals. Makes for a very interesting race, I think, for the Calder, EJ. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that of late. We talk about it a lot on our show. You know, we're talking hockey two hours a day, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 Eastern. We, uh, right. you know, we're always looking for things, obviously, to discuss. And we're like, you know, we're always looking for things that people, you know, aren't really on top of, you know, like, you know, because there's been a lot of talk about Kirill Kaprizov. He's been just lights out good for Minnesota. He's been fantastic to watch, uh, you know, the. You know, it's just I could go on and on about that guy. I mean, and, you know, when you talk about the the rookie class, he might very well be the best player moving forward, you know, in this in this group of players. You know, we'll see over the time in the course of their career. But, uh, you know, Robertson has played very, very well, and uh, he's kind of come in, got an opportunity through some injuries there. And, you know, he's a young kid. He looks like he's about 12, Donnie. I mean, like he's a, he's a baby-faced kid, and uh, – but boy, oh boy, he's come in and played really, really well. I can remember uh, earlier in the season, he came in and had a four-point game, and it started to, you know, he started to kind of, uh, you know, kind of, I, I, he got on my radar at least in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, this, this guy is a is a player, and you know, since then he's really just picked up the play, the pace, and been an excellent uh, addition for the Dallas Stars. So it's it's tight. Um, I think. It'll be tough for Robertson in the voting to overcome the guys, uh, you know, or to overcome uh, Kaprizov because he's just been uh, he's been there from the start. I think the fact that that Robertson has been able to get in the mix, I think, is terrific. Though, and like you know, he's put up points. I think it's in seven seven straight games, and he's been someone that's contributing on a nightly basis. And you know, like I said, I go back. I think it was early March when he had that four-point night for the Stars. So he's been a huge plus for them. He's a former first-round pick uh, in 2017, late first-round pick, or excuse me, second-round pick 2017. And you know, he's come in and played very, very well for a young guy just uh, you know 21, 22 years of age. So it'll be interesting to see how it finishes. But I think Kaprizov probably wins it, and Robertson probably finishes second. Yeah, Minnesota's been great. Eight, one, and one in their last ten. Seven straight wins. Think about this drop off in the West. We knew the West was top heavy, EJ, but this is ridiculous, yeah. right? You got Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota, <laughs> of all clinched playoff berths. You know, all within five points of each other, with Vegas having seventy, Colorado sixty-six, and Minnesota sixty-five. And of course, Colorado's got two games at hand because they went through COVID. And then, bang, a drop down, eighteen points to fourth place in Arizona. You know, we're talking about St. Louis, and I think they they control their own destiny. Three games in hand on Arizona and just a point back at the Coyotes. But we're still talking about a team that's played 45 games and lost more than half of them. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunately the way it is shaken out this year. I mean, we would have thought the St. Louis Blues were going to be better. 
And uh, they've had some injury issues. Obviously, things have changed with their roster, with the departure of Petrangelo. Braco was out for a while. I mean, you have injuries, then you have really important injuries. And uh, they've had injuries, and then they had Colton Pareko get hurt and be out for a long stretch of time. And that is a monster injury for them because he's a he's a key guy on their blue line, and particularly with Petrangelo gone, he's a big, strong, right-shot defender that's hard to play against. So when you think about their group that won the Cup, they had Boomeister, Petrangelo, Pareko. Well, Boomeister retired due to health issues, as we know. Uh, Petrangelo left via free agency, and Petreco and, and uh, Colt Mareko was out for a month or so. I mean, that's a completely different look back there on that blue line. So um, for the St. Louis Blues, it's been a struggle. I think you're right. They have the advantage because of the schedule advantage that they have, but they play a lot of tough games. they got Colorado coming up again, three with Minnesota, two more with Vegas, and another two with Vinny. So it'll be a challenge for them to get the points. Now, they got a huge win on Saturday against the Avalanche, so that that could go a long way for them. Arizona has got a pretty good schedule finishing out. I mean, four with San Jose, two with L.A., and just two with Vegas. So if St. Louis stumbles along here uh, along the way, Arizona could still get it done. But it's unfortunate because you have a team like the Rangers that would be clear, free and clear in the uh, Western Division right. this year with their point total. But, you know, it's, it's a little different. Obviously, you're only playing in the division, so you'd have to deal with you know, the two monsters eight times each in Vegas and Colorado, and then a really good Minnesota team eight times. And, you know, after that, if you could find your way against St. Louis and, and Minnesota, you're probably in the playoffs. But, you know, that's just the way it works this year, and it's going to be a spot open for somebody. And I, I think I'd have to favor St. Louis just because of the pedigree of this group. They, they seem to find ways to win when they have to. You want to get a couple of tweets in before we say goodbye? A couple of tweets. All right. Well, Chris says, although there's a flat cap now, when can we expect the revenue from the ESPN deal to elevate the cap? And is there a timetable when the other network will be announced as splitting the coverage with ESPN? Well, I mean, revenues have been damaged, right? So the league has been operating probably at a deficit, right? The owners are probably paying, you know, more than they normally would because there's there was no revenue at the end of last year, literally outside of you know, the, the television money that comes in, but there was no fan revenue. There was no in-arena sales and, of things, and there's not a lot of that going on right now. Uh, you know, and I know that the league and the players work out uh, an arrangement, uh, you know, when they did the new CBA of, uh, of kind of capping the escrow at certain levels, kind of a loan from the, from the owners, and it's kind of complicated math, but at the end of the day, that has to get paid back down the road. So when you ask, well, you know, does ESPN revenue money kick in? Well, it'll kick in, I would imagine, at some date when the contract goes into effect. I don't think it, it shows up today, but no. uh, I'm sure there's a date in that contract when it has to be paid, and it might be paid, it's probably paid on an annual basis based on, you know, the arrangement that they've made. So it'll impact things. I don't think it'll be a tremendous impact immediately because of the circumstance we're in. As for the other question, uh, you know, the... Listen, I'm sure the timetable for the National Hockey League is to try to do that as soon as they possibly can, but negotiations can be tricky. The landscape is is unusual right now, and, uh, you know, we've heard a number of rumors about NBC or Fox or, you know, I guess Chris Johnson was talking the other day about maybe Apple in some way would be in the mix. I mean, let's face it, we live in a different world now. People are consuming these games in different ways. 
the ESDN deal is a, is a deal that's, that's structured in a way to help to, to really help them build ESPN plus the streaming service they have. And, uh, that's an exclusive deal. So that limits, I think, things that the league can do with their second partner in that field, but I'm not completely sure there aren't loopholes or ways to, uh, to have another partner gain some of that territory. But again, these are things that they're working out at that, at, you know, at the league office and with the different partners that are interested. And, you know, we sit and wait as believe me, as, as you know, Don, you know, when we're, we're in this business, so it affects us. It could affect us dramatically. And sure. so we're just as eager as anybody else to find out what happens. But I think if the league could announce something today, they would. It's just a matter of the negotiation process continuing. Uh, Richard asks a very good question. Hey, guys, what's being talked about for the composition of next year's divisions and the matchups in the playoffs? Possibly a play-in round or one through eight seeding? Which do you prefer? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of... I kind of wouldn't mind a play-in round for, you know, like if you go like seven against 10 and eight against nine and kind of a, a one-off type thing. The only problem with that is if, you know, if the 10th team is, is got 15 or 20 or 25 less points and then they win one game and they're in the playoffs, that's kind of seems a little bit uh, dicey for that, for those teams. But I think it creates excitement and creates interest. So, I mean, that's something I'd be interested in looking at. I think the NBA is doing something like that now. So, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see how that works for them. Um, in hockey, I think it's different because, you know, basketball, usually the favorites on their home floor win, whereas in, in the NHL, with a, you know, when it's like baseball. I mean, depends who's pitching or who's in goal. It can make a great difference in a single game. So, uh, you know, I'll be curious about that. I think the league is looking at two things. I believe uh, Elliot Friedman for Sportsnet talked about it uh, over the weekend about this idea of, maybe being heavy on divisional play again, where you would play every other team outside the division home and away, and that would be it. Like in other years, you play the teams in your conference a little bit more. Like you play in your division, then you play extra games against the other division in your conference, then you play home and home with the West. There's a thought that you'd go back to that setup or maybe play a more, more heavily in your division again, but then you'd go and play home and home against all the other teams. So if there's eight teams in each division, that means uh, you'd play home and home with 24 teams for 48 games, and then you would play within division against seven opponents for X amount of games. And there might be an odd number of games in there, and Elliot discussed that in his report. Mm. and talked about the idea that they could create, you know, those extra games could be dependent upon who the franchise is and who would be a natural team for them to play an extra game against in their division. So those are some things that are being discussed. I think because of what we've gone through, Don, in the last you know year now, I think the league has had to think about a lot of different things. And because of that, whenever you do think about a lot of different things, all of a sudden you uh, you know you have you start to to kind of ponder different ideas and how they would work. And we've already seen them have to do it this year with this completely divisional play. So uh, the managers, the board of governors, they will look at all these things and eventually, I would say in the near future, come up with some plan for next year. Well, there's so many different ideas that you could have, um, but really what it comes down to to me is what's the most feasible thing that can happen. And you're right, because of the finances, 
you may see more heavy division just because it'll be easier on travel. Where these yep. teams that have hemorrhaged money for the last couple of years because of uh, because of the pandemic might favor playing more divisional games just so that they don't have to travel as often. And then the play-in, to me, seems like a no-brainer financially, right? Because it creates more interest in the regular season and also develops more potential money for the National Hockey League by getting more teams in the playoffs, creating another kind of play-in thing and that kind of interest, generating television ratings, the way the NBA is structured, 7 through 10 go into the play-in, where um, I believe 7 and 8 uh, can afford to lose a game, so the first one to two wins advances, and then 8 and, and, and 9 and 10 is a single elimination. So there's an advantage to finishing higher, and then whoever wins seven eight plays whoever wins um, the uh, the nine ten, and then and then you go from there, and then that team becomes those two teams end up advancing to the seven and eight for the playoffs. That just creates another avenue to, for revenue. So you know we talk so much about what's best for the sport, what's more interesting. I think at this point, what is going to generate more revenue for a league? that admitted it might have been cheaper for them not to play this year because of how much money it's costing them to play in front of empty buildings and, and a limited schedule and all that. So that's probably where the league's going to go, and I don't blame them because you got to make up your money, yeah. right? Yeah, I think so. And I think so because of that, I think that's definitely on the table. And we'll see what they end up doing. I mean, I, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, they've got to find a way and I think the players are in on this as well. I mean, they've got to be in on it because more revenue coming into the league is better for these players. And it's certainly it's better for their salaries. It's better for the potential escrow issues. It's better for a number of reasons that we've seen the leagues have issues financially through this pandemic. So we'll wait. We'll see. But I think it's certainly something that uh, has been discussed. And if it can bring in more money and everybody's okay with it, I would imagine we'll see it. Yeah. But let's get through this season first, okay? There's still a lot of things yeah. to be decided, not yeah. just on the ice, let's but where these let's playoff games are going to be played and everything else because um, that that's a lot of stuff that's got to get sorted out before we can even think about dropping the puck in 21-22 and also welcoming in uh, another franchise in Seattle, which I think is the, the the no-brainer if everything goes back to the way it was before EJ division-wise. Seattle slides into um, the Pacific Division, and then you would see Arizona go to the Central, correct? That was the original plan, and I guess there'll be some more discussion about that between now and the time at Hawkins because of, you know, things have changed a little bit, and, uh, you know, there might be other considerations at hand. It seems like that's the way it was going to go, but, you know, I'm not going to say anything's definite at this point because, right. like you point out, I mean, the world has changed dramatically since we talked about where the division setup would be. I mean, we're in a different world now than we were, you know, 12, 13 months ago. And we could be in a different world in a couple of months, too, so we just kind of have Absolutely. to go with the flow, buddy. Yeah, that's correct. As my mom that would say, correct. go with that's the flow. Speaking of flow, I'm liking that hair. Oh, yeah? Good. It's, it's definitely hockey now. hair. Look, you're looking sharp. I, um, I'm enjoying it. Uh, the wife's kind of on the fence, and that'll be probably the ultimate decision on how long it lasts is how she feels about it. But uh, it brings me back to my youth. If you put on a hockey helmet right now, Don, you would just be part of the game. Part of the <laughs> I'd just team. be part of the game. 
Absolutely. A game that I, I want to be a part of. Blowing out the back. You'd be like, you know, you'd just be like just on the second line getting ready for your next shift. Oh, man. You're the best. I will talk to you next Monday. All right, buddy. All Have right. That's the great, and I mean the great, EJ Raddick joins us every Monday here on Game Misconduct. And I can imagine where we'll be next Monday when we speak with all these divisions and all these races. Let's go over what is a quite frankly, a very, very busy uh, Monday in the National Hockey League with eight games. You know, we were talking about the Canadians and Flames. Well, they'll be first on board. They've got a 6.30 Eastern time start. And as we mentioned, Calgary's won six of the eight meetings, and they can draw within a point of Montreal. Montreal struggled with their injuries. No Gallagher, no Price, and just three wins in their last ten. Uh, 7 o'clock starts. Blues home for the Avalanche. Blues had a big win over the weekend. Blues trying to get into the playoffs. Canucks and the Senators. Canucks have won two of the three games since coming out of the COVID protocol, but one of those losses was to Ottawa in a shutout. So keeping an eye on that one, we mentioned the big game going on right now between the Stars and the Hurricanes at 7.30. Hurricanes battling for first place. Dallas trying to use these games at hand to catch Nashville, Florida, and Nashville. So they'll be keeping an eye on that. And Florida looking to hold on to first place. Should be wide open tonight uh, at 9 o'clock with the Oilers in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. And a couple of late games at 10 o'clock, the Ducks and the Kings from Los Angeles. And at 10.30, the Coyotes are at San Jose. So EJ was just talking about it. If Arizona wants to hold on to that four spot with all the games St. Louis has in hand, the Coyotes have to take advantage of taking on non-playoff teams. And they've got San Jose. They've got to come away with two tonight. Coyotes in the playoffs, but still under NHL 500 at 21, 22, and 5. So keeping an eye on a lot of very important games in the National Hockey League tonight. All right, we will be back with you again on Wednesday. If you want to get in touch with me or have a comment for the show, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.